Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special edition of the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Cheats. We are joined today by my my right-hand man, the uh, Tully Blanchard to Arn Anderson, or however you want to say it. It is Flobo is in the building as well. Uh, we are really, really excited because we've got a lot going on. But before we do, we've always got to think some of our partners, obviously Stilo, Stilo Media, the Players Alliance, everything over there as well. So we always got to shout them out. And we got to give a special, special thank you to you. That's right, you listening to the mixtape today. If you're listening this week, you know some some news that we're really excited about. For the first time ever, the Black Baseball Mixtape broke into the top 40 of baseball podcasts on the Apple Podcast charts. We may not be there tomorrow. We may never be there again. But <laughs> this week, we are uh, number 40. But it makes us feel like we're number one. So thank you so much for all your support over this uh, endeavor over, I would say, what, a year and a half or so. Uh, we are really, really excited about what the mixtape is doing and also being able to bring new fans to the game and return old fans to the game. And with all of that disclaimer, I've got to say we've got a special, special guest in the building on the podcast today tonight and it's all about bringing new people to the game of baseball if unless you've been living under a rock you you you've had to have heard of baseball united by now it is a brand new baseball league that is bringing the game of baseball to the middle east and asia in a way that has never been done before and i am joined we are joined by the founder and ceo cash shake Cash, welcome, welcome, welcome to the mixtape. Thank you, guys. Cheats, Flobo, so great to be with y'all. Top 40, top 40, congratulations. It feels, it feels like number one. It feels yeah. like number one. Oh, I will, but, but I'm hoping. We we definitely are going to still be in the top forty after this episode, man. Come on, <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be in the top twenty after this episode, guys. Exactly. We're going to be uh, exactly. We look look as you know from your background, and we'll get into all of it. Uh, this is a, a a podcast made by friends and in a living room in right. Richmond, Virginia. So it doesn't have any you know major media backing in that sense, and it is really really cool that people have taken to the idea of uh, highlighting what we're highlighting within the game, hip hop culture in the game, black and brown people in the game. So we're right. really, really excited about that. Uh, but I've got, well, I love, I, love, I love what you guys are doing, man. Just before we get going, I have so much respect for it. Um, highlighting and helping and supporting and elevating black and brown communities has been core to my, my life and career and passion. So just seeing what you guys are doing is really special and I appreciate it. So thank you guys for what you do. Man, we, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. But this look, before we get too out of hand, I've got I've been racking my brain around a lot of things, a lot of things baseball united. And I've got a unique question that I think only Cash will be able to answer the right way. And uh, so so I'm ready for this. And here's the question. All right. We are both new fans of this of this movement you're building. We're new fans of the league and, and the owners and the players. But if you were going to tell Flobo and I what team to root for Uh-oh. of the four teams, mm. we, go I got to one you, we go to you, Cash, and oh, we man. say, hey, look, my fan, my allegiance here is wide open. Who should we root for, Cash, <laughs> and why? 
Oh man, you can't you can't put me on the spot like that. With Which one of your four kids? <laughs> what kid, what kid, what kid do you, you like the best? No, you you know, so I'll give you a principle to help guide your fandom, which which is a which is a great guiding principle for a lot of sports fans, which is which player are you the most inspired by? Which player do you love? Wow. Is it Courtney Hawkins? Then you're gonna be rooting for the Wolves. Is it my boy Didi Gregorius? Well, actually, that's also the Wolves. Is the Panda Pablo Sandoval? Then you're gonna be a Falcons fan, you know? So, like I think is it is it four-time gold glover Anderton Simmons? And you're gonna be a Cobras fan, you know? So I think I that like there's so much star power in the league, you know, particularly for black and brown communities that I think when you can kind of rally around that player, that's gonna help. But obviously, what's so cool, man, is we got four of the most exciting, fastest growing cities on, on the planet that are going to be our first four franchises with Mumbai at the top of 30 million people in Mumbai, which is crazy. Almost, you know, two and a half times the size of New York city mm-hmm. and just all, all the way down, man. So we just really pumped about the the teams, the franchises <laughs> and all the communities we can help with. I like it. So you got that flow, but we've got, <laughs> yeah. we've got attached to stories and the yeah. players and then, and then go through. Right. Well, that's actually my first question because I've already picked my team. And I'm not sure. Should I say this here? Should I say this here live? No, let, it, let it rip. Let it rip. Oh, I, I, I'm all in the Falcons, man. That is like my favorite. Even though, even though I have Bartolo Colon's yeah. home run card, like I'm, I'm it looks slick. Right. It looks clean. Uh, but that was actually my first question for yeah. you cash. If you allow me, when you are creating these teams, you're selecting these cities. How do you import the lore into these brand new teams. I mean, how do you say, look, to be a monarch is this, this is what it is to be a Falcon. Yeah. How do you choose the animal mascots for these cities? Yeah. yeah. Well, great question, Flobo. I mean, you know, my career background has been in brand building and storytelling and creative really. And, you know, I, I did that for all of my career. It's just been the last eight, nine years I've been on this entrepreneurial journey. Um, so this was like a dream. You know, if you think about it, if you could just script out what you would love to do, it's like, okay, let's build a baseball league on the other side of the world. We get to name the teams, create the teams, but also create the brands and the brand identity and ethos. So we started, once we started identifying each country and the core cities based on our where our fan bases are and where they will will be in the future. Once we had that, we actually started with an ethos for each of our teams. Um, what we wanted them to represent, um, the metaphorical and symbolic meanings behind their colors, their names, all that. And that's what led us to Mumbai Cobras and Karachi Monarchs. And obviously the Cobra is a big part of the Indian culture. You know, it's kind of a majestic, magical piece of, of, of Indian culture. The Monarchs is interesting because the Karachi Kings are the big cricket team in Pakistan it's the and Pakistan Super League is a big cricket league so we wanted to create and it's actually owned by one of the big broadcasters so there was a multifaceted strategy there we said we want to create almost like a sister franchise to the Karachi Kings called the Karachi Monarchs and have this cross culture between bat and ball sports while also paying homage to the Negro League team as y'all know um, the the, the Monarchs the Kansas City Monarchs you know, which is one of the first jerseys I ever got that I ever purchased for myself was a Jackie Robinson Kansas City Monarch jersey. Throwback, one of my favorite ones wow. still. So, like, you know, um, so that told the history and heritage of, of baseball. The Wolves, you know, Dubai Wolves, the Arabian Wolf, 
actually used to roam the whole Arabian Peninsula here until urbanization and modernization started to push the wolf out. But the crazy, most amazing, inspiring thing about the Arabian wolf is that over time, as it was living in the desert, its whole body started to morph and evolve. Its snout got longer, ears got taller, became smaller to survive and adapt into the desert environment, which we felt was a perfect metaphor for Dubai, because 50 years ago, Dubai was just a flat desert. And if you see a 1980 picture and then a 2023 picture of Dubai, your your mind explodes because it's incredible what they've done in this city in the last 50 years. You've never seen it in, in human civilization, a city in, in 50 years go from literally dirt to one of the most iconic, amazing cities on the planet. In Abu Dhabi, the falcon is is one of the, the most revered animals across the Middle East, but for sure here in the UAE. Um, the falcon is actually uh, uh, kind of basically the country's national bird. And the falcon has all these different like regulations, stipulations, like you can't use the word falcon unless you get 75 different permits and things like that. Oh, wow. So it's a very regal esteemed um, name and obviously animal. And Abu Dhabi is the capital of the UAE. So we kind of bestowed that upon uh, Abu Dhabi. So there was a lot of thought that was gone, that's gone into the franchises. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of people connect with them. That's, that's fantastic. And, and just by you explaining that cash and you, you alluded to it, but you have a career background in creative and storytelling and branding and so I'm really interested to figure out from you kind of what came first. Uh, I say that because I recently finished reading uh, the Phil Knight book and, you know, he's talking about the creation of Nike. And one of the things they were always talking about was going into new territory, especially in China. And he mentioned like the number of people that could wear sneakers, right? The billions of people that they he dreamed of seeing right. Nike. And so I'm interested to see, like, was it, about this new endeavor and this new opportunity, obviously you've got billions of cricket fans and that's an amazing opportunity, but what came for you first? Was it kind of the, the, the creative storytelling, the passion of baseball or the opportunity to do something that's never been charted before? You know what, man, it's been a long journey. You know, I started my career at Procter and Gamble on the brand building marketing side, basically selling deodorant and soap. I was leading the old spice brand the Tide brand, things like that. And then I spent a couple of years leading marketing at GoPro. When I went to GoPro, it was a one-story white cottage on the edge of the Pacific Ocean in Half Moon Bay, California. Mm. And when I left, we were in the middle of Silicon Valley, um, billion-dollar company. I got to see some rocket ship growth. And I was a part of it, but I didn't create it. You know, Those guys had the founders, early employees, that had done all the hard work. So I started to get a, a sniff and an understanding of what it cre what it takes to build something from nothing. And then I started my entrepreneurial journey, you know, which has been going on the last 10 years, starting in the content and creative space, actually focused on black and brown communities, underserved communities. Yep, I created something called Be Somebody. Yep. Yeah. You know, things like that. And then kind of built from there. And really it was the the steps in the journey. I always been passionate about sports and baseball's my first true love, but it wasn't until I kind of went to my last step, which was I built a sports marketing and marketing agency. And I started to represent MLB guys, um, mostly black and brown players. 
off the field on all their endorsements, marketing, sponsorships, investments, things like that. And one of the guys I really connected with was my brother, Barry Larkin. And, you know, Lark is an OG of international baseball. Yeah. I don't know if y'all, I mean, he coached the Brazil national team, if y'all remember. Yeah. He he did some development work in Japan and Korea. He was in the movie Million Dollar Arm, you know, the Disney movie that came yeah. out, which was based on finding these prospects in India. So Lark has been all across the world in international baseball. And he and I started talking about the state of the game a couple of years ago. And honestly, um, all this stuff that y'all know, and I know y'all talk about a lot. I mean, first of all, the average age of a Major League Baseball fan is 57 years 57 old. Years the old. oldest fan base, oldest fan base in all of professional sports, which was concerning to us and a lot of our partners and people within the MLB space. The lack of diversity in the game. There's less black players today at MLB than when Jackie Robinson retired, yep. um, which obviously is concerning. You know, we started trying to figure out how we could problem solve that. And then you had, you know, issues that the MLB has done a good job this last year addressing like pace of play, excitement, whatever. We started thinking about how can we make a difference within our communities, with our kind of purview to help the game. And as we started getting into it, we we really started to understand that the future for baseball actually wasn't as much us focusing on the U.S. It was international because, as you all know, North America, Latin America, the Far East, you know, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, et cetera. Those are the hotbeds of baseball. baseball. Yep. But, but then you got this whole, you know, swatch of territory that really hasn't taken on the baseball like we have. And then, as you mentioned, Cheech, we saw – the Middle East and South Asia, footprint of 2 billion people. A billion of them are cricket fans. The bat and ball epicenter of the universe. I didn't even know until we started this journey, which I feel almost embarrassed to, to when I think about it. Like, I didn't realize cricket was so much bigger than baseball. Cricket is the number two sport internationally behind soccer. Yep. Yeah. So then we started being, okay, if we could try to inspire these bat and ball fans these cricket fans who have the same fundamentals you know you throw the ball you hit the ball you catch the ball you run could we inspire them to fall in love with the game that we love you know that's that's what started the journey and you know i'll tell you what's kept the journey going is that we found way more baseball fans out here than anyone ever realized you know we did the research we did the market the consumer data all the analytics and man, there are a ton more baseball fans out here, which has made it more exciting. This is phenomenal that you said all this, and and it's so encouraging as well, in in, in a sense because I'm interested to know when you're doing all of that kind of research and 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 understanding the the game and and the challenges that we we were facing in in baseball. When you're starting something new, you get a clean slate. How do you skew younger, if you will? How do you skew more diverse? How do you skew and lean into the excitement? I think we saw a lot of cool things, right, with the World Baseball Classic. It has to be encouraging yep. uh, for, for Baseball United to yeah. see that. But uh, but how, when you're kind of identifying those particular challenges, how do you say, hey, look, we can, we, we got we to gotta flip the, flip the lid here? Yeah. Well, great question. And some of it is just we get the benefit of the market. 
The average age of a human in India is 28 years old. The average age of a human in Pakistan is 24. Here in Dubai, the UAE, 31. So you've got some of the youngest, fastest growing, most diverse uh, communities and countries on the planet that we get to tap into. Most of these young people are sports fans the majority of them are cricket fans so that's 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 the base we got to tap into and then obviously all the choices that we've made with our brand with our voice with the music if you see our reels on ig you know you'll you'll hear some hip-hop you'll hear some you know some music that the 57 year olds mlb may not listen to you know and you know we have our own like vibe and energy we're a young, passionate team. I'm like the old dude on the team. You know, I, I know I got this baby face, but I'm I'm 44. <laughs> I just turned 44. You know, so I'm the old guy on our team. We've got a great, young, passionate team. And then we, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about, we've got all these legends that have come on board that have their their energy that they're bringing to it, you know, which which is different because it's coming from a player's perspective. It's coming from a diversity perspective. So there's a lot of things you know, that are connecting with young people. And if you look at just basic data, right? If you look at the the Gen Zs and millennials and you look at where they're spending their money and where they're spending their time, and their attention, diversity in DEI and, you know, platforms and issues like that are very important to that younger group. And it's one of the reasons I actually believe that the, those younger folks haven't connected with MLB as much they have with the NBA or the NFL, you know? So we know even not just that we believe in it from a values and passion and personal standpoint, but from a business standpoint, the way you can connect with those is have, uh, you know, not just a younger vibe, but a more diverse leadership group, a diverse approach on how you bring it to life. It's it's funny you mentioned that because my parents are from the West Indies and and the the relationship between baseball and cricket is always contentious. It's like oh that that American right. stuff isn't the same as as the the real yeah. sport of of playing a game for a week and a half. I kid, I kid. Uh, yeah. But like, can I I gotta talk to you about like before the draft, but just getting people on board about the brand. I mean, I love the brand. The local was slick. Was it like a Nick Fury moment? Were you just calling up Robinson Cano and was like, we need you for this new initiative? Did you have to go through <laughs> channels? Like, what was that? like? like getting legends on board you know like i said i had been working with lark for a while and he and i got really close and you know we were thinking about what we could do and then we connected with my brother john medrick who's now our vice chairman executive of vp of baseball ops as well john has a really interesting career background i mean he spent 20 years at nypd uh, the last 10 years as the head of international operations um based in the Middle East in the counterterrorism unit. So his relationships in the Middle East up through the government level were really, really solid, you know? And the way that we met John is John, who's a, you know, a Caucasian New Yorker is married to a Dominican woman. And, you know, and John loves baseball. So John started spending all this time all last 20 years down in the DR, obviously where baseball is religion, and through that and his love of baseball, he was NYPD during the day and he was building a, a baseball academy in DR on the evenings and weekends. And it started to grow through that. He met a gentleman named Victor Campos, who's part of our initial kind of leadership team. And through there, we started talking to those guys about this idea of taking baseball out over here. 
John and Victor happen to be connected with none other than Mariano Rivera, you know, the only unanimous, uh, unanimously voted Hall of Absolute Famer legend. in history. Yep. The closer, right, the Sandman. So then we connected, basically Lark and I connected with John and Mariano in that camp, and we came together to form Baseball United. Ap- after that, and we had, like, that was the initial launch. After that, then it was like, okay, who else can we bring in? Because my strategy, one of my strategies was obviously to bring in um, players as investors for a lot of reasons. One, because we wanted a diverse ownership group. That was a principle and it was one of the core aspects of our vision. We wanted to give more um, black and brown communities and owners a chance to be involved at the highest level. And then we also knew that that could bring credibility to the league. Obviously, it was going to bring some capital because these folks had a bit of money they could invest. And it was going to be great marketing. So that was the strategy. The first person that we really started to go out to based on the Medrick's uh, DR connections was Adrian Beltre. And, you know, Adrian, Mr. Who's happy as hell right now because the Rangers just won the World Series and he's been down there. He threw out the first pitch in game two, if y'all saw. Um, And now Beltre, you know, not only is an elite maybe the one of the best, if not the best third baseman of all time, but he's super respected by any of the players that, that, that play with him. Like I never heard so many people so say such great things about people like they do about Lark and Mariano and Beltre. We really wanted to start with people that were respected. And so I had, I, I pitched Beltre once you like poker face, you know, didn't even, <laughs> no smile, no spurt, nothing. I didn't I didn't think it went well. I mean, I had my heart and soul into it. And he messaged me and said, yo, let's get on again. Then we had a call. We ended up having six phone calls, you know, four of them Zoom meetings, pitching them kind of the vision, the idea, the deck. Then he said, I want you to meet my team. And of course, Beltre has the most like legit and thorough um, entourage of accountants, lawyers, advisors. I'm like, dude, like. Closing Adrian Beltre was by far the hardest part of this whole piece. <laughs> but, you know, thank, thank, thank Adrian and the good Lord. We were able to bring him on. And honestly, man, when we did that, it started, that was a big, big credibility domino. Because after that, we got Elvis Andrews, who played, as y'all know, yep. in the infield with Adrian and the Texas Rangers. Yep. After that, we got Felix Hernandez, who played with Beltre in Seattle. And then that really started to take us to the next level. Then we got Albert Pujols, another Dominican legend, you know, top four home run hitter of all time, as y'all know. And then it really started to shift. Then I'm checking my DMs and players are hitting me up. Nick Swisher was blowing me up saying, I want to be a part of it. We ended up getting Nick Swisher. Nick is part of the the CAP program with MLB, the Commissioner's Ambassador Program. Once we got Nick, Ryan Howard started messaging me. Ryan Howard, MVP Ryan Howard from the Phillies, as y'all know. Then we brought Ryan on. Then after that, it was Robinson Cano. And it just kind of went from there. And then you got Shane Victorino, Bartolo Colon, Matt Barnes, and on and on and on, man. So now we're at a point where we're super blessed. But because of these early guys who took their, their passion and put their own names online, took a little more risk, now we have so many guys just hitting us up, wanting to be a part of it, which is pretty amazing. That, that's that's phenomenal. And while you're saying that, especially uh, 
of, of someone look of all all three of us are around the same age here so look you're not you're not that old cash but but as you're saying that <laughs> you're, you're saying that and it harpens me thinking back to another kind of sport another iconic team of, of definitely our generation and it's just a quick trivia question then we'll get back to what we need to the fab five <laughs> Do you know who the most important yeah. member? Do you remember who the? Do you know who the most important member of making the Fab Five happen happened? Do you know the answer to this? Well, I know that I know who I was in love with because Chris Webber was all over my room growing up. Yep. Of course. Yep. Well, who was it? it, it, it was it? Uh, was it Ray? It was, was it Ray? It was Jawan Howard. Jawan. So Jawan, Jawan Howard is, is the basically short story is the Adrian Beltre of what you're saying. Once they got Jawan, he went and got for the, that I mean, made the five five happen, and it was, it was just just hearing that it's it, but it's it, but yeah, very right. much like you're saying about Adrian, it 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 had to be someone that has a lot of respect, right? A lot of carries right. a lot of favor. The other the other thing that you mentioned that stood out to me is when the tables turn, and what I mean by that is you're no longer making the calls in the in the way that you were making, <clears throat> and now people are calling you. And like you said, Nick yeah. Swisher, in particular, Ryan Howard, they've got intimate right. now and ambassador relationships with MLB. Uh, I, I want to transition right. and ask you, uh, I think it's in everyone's, especially every baseball fan's interest that Baseball United is successful. Uh, the more people playing right. the game, the more people playing internationally, obviously the way that you guys are set up, has that be, being that you guys are, are, are a growing upstart and really making things happen now, has it been... Uh, you know, a positive kind of relationship with players that are connected even closer to MLB, like Nick Swisher and Ryan Howard that's in the gap program. Yeah. You know what? We've met uh, multiple times. I met with commissioner Manfred multiple times. I met with Chris Marinak at the league office multiple times. I think, um, you know, I feel good because it was about a year ago, man, almost exactly a year ago, our first meeting in New York, when I, when I came in, you know, honestly, fully starry eyed, walking into the commissioner's office um, with Mariano Rivera and Barry Larkin, seeing Mariano on the walls at the MLB office, going that's, past the Barry Larkin. It's like, it's like, a, Barry checkmate. Larkin it's like a checkmate. You, yeah. you should have had, you should have full like, confidence when that happens. <laughs> you know, but I was like, we literally walked by the Barry Larkin conference room. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. But, you know, at that point it was, uh, it was almost like a kid in a candy store, you know? Um, and 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 I presented on behalf of the team to Commissioner Manfred, and I think that they were um, impressed with our approach and also our knowledge of the market because MLB has been in India for you know five to ten years, but you know it's been it's been tough going, tough sledding for them because it's it's a complicated market. Now, obviously, my my dad was born in India, my mom was born in Pakistan, I was born in Texas, but you know I kind of understand the, the environment and, and the culture and our team does, you know, Max Shaka, who's one of our executive VPs always talks about, you need a certain mental software to be successful out here. And, you know, we feel like we brought that and we got a, gave a lot of insights and I believe they were impressed, man, but I think they were kind of like, let's see, you know, they're right, like, right. this is, this is cute. Yeah. They're like, okay, let's see, let's, let's see what you do. And then, What's been cool is as we brought all these players and as we started to grow and launch our brands and, you know, as you alluded to during our draft week, 
the most talked about baseball league on the planet was Baseball United, not Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. which obviously we know MLB is the gold standard. We're all MLB fans, you know, but that was pretty cool. And they started everyone in the baseball world started seeing what we were doing. What's cool has been the shift as well, because now you got a league that's like built by players for players. Um, you've got so much firepower in terms of our ownership group of guys that are literally the legends of the game. Um, and the two guys, honestly, we started with Lark and Mariano also are those guys that everyone looks up to and yep. reveres. So, so MLB, we've got a great relationship. We've talked partnership. We've got some things in the works. I hope that we can announce soon. The cool thing is, you know, like right now, our plan is to play during what's typically called winter ball period, mm-hmm. November to February, right? And it's not, we don't consider ourselves a winter ball league. Our vision is to be the, the number one international league in the world. Um, with all respect to obviously knowing MLB is the gold standard, mm-hmm. but because it's so hot out here, you know, basically in the spring and summer, November to February is pretty much where you play your sports, outdoor sports out here. So it actually makes it to your point. It's a perfect compliment. And I just told the league office that last week when we met, I said, look, it's the perfect compliment because we play in a different time of the year where, you know, 29 of our 32 draft picks were MLB guys. We've got 15 MLB owners. We've got um, so much passion and love as ownership and executives to Major League Baseball. It just feels like a perfect partnership. And you said it best, Cheats. I mean, and th- that was the first line on the slide that I opened with MLB when I met him last year. It was like, when the game grows, everybody wins, you know? And you're right. The the World Baseball Classic in March, it set every single record for international baseball. Viewership, sponsorship, merch sales, storyline, which Otani's striking out trout. I mean, there's never been a better time for uh, international baseball. So we really feel like we're a perfect complement to what MLB obviously does year in and year out. And um, I'm hopeful that we'll announce something pretty cool soon. If we take it to the streets just a little bit uh, with take baseball, you know, we take it to the streets, man. Take it uh, to the streets, bro. I, again, I'm a big fan of the brands, uh, and in fact, uh, it's like early here as I record this in Los Angeles. But I woke up on Christmas morning to talk about this because uh, because it's not every day you get to see a, a brand new league start from scratch. But and we talked about those MLB stars who are part of the draft, part of the rosters. But ultimately, what makes the brand survive is making sure everyone locally feels on board. So if you can just let us know about the the, the strategy to the get people in these local areas to to buy in to make the the monarchs their own to buy a ticket to fill out for them seeing people that look like them actually playing those positions yeah great question man i mean you know we've always been focused on uh, a top down and a bottom up approach to build this league you know and the bottom up is the grassroots level so when we started this i personally went and met with every baseball federation in the region And just this earlier this year, January of 2023, we helped put together something called the West Asia Cup, where for the first time you had the national teams from all the competing countries in the region, Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Nepal, Palestine, all competing in Islamabad, Pakistan, in an officially sanctioned WBSC event that then where we were able to take the top two you know, the champion and the second place team and send them to to East Asia and Asia Cup to go play Japan or China or Taiwan or Korea. 
And the winners of that get to go play in the World Baseball Classic. So we've been spending a lot of time helping develop the national team programs because we were mentioning with the WBC, you know, when Mexico went on that run, it galvanized the country behind baseball. When the Czech Republic made it into the WBC, it made it galvanized the country. Only 20 countries get to be a part of the World Baseball Classic. They just announced a couple weeks ago, baseball's back in the Olympics in 2028. You know, so when you have that international stage and these countries, especially out here, the Olympics, these world stages, that that's everything for them. So we've been working with the national teams and the federations and the governments to help training, support, funding, resources. I mean, these guys don't even have fields to play on. There's not a field. There's not a legitimate baseball field in the country of India or the country of Pakistan. So we've been having that's where we started. And we have partnership agreements with all the national teams in the region we created the the baseball federation here in the uae um and then we also started at the very very local level with the little league so we just actually announced yesterday a partnership with dubai little league which has been around for about 30 years actually one of the coolest little leagues on the planet because when you're at home play at the main field you're literally looking straight out at the burj khalifa the tallest building in the world i mean it's an epic skyline view um, but we just announced a partnership with them. We're doing clinics. We're we're helping with their curriculum. We're, we're helping with funding. You know, so we're really trying to grow at the grassroots level. And today, man, there's not any prospects in the region that are yet at that professional level, but they're not too far away. We're about to announce next week. We signed six prospects that are going to be at our all-star showcase November 24th and 25th in Dubai. Some pitchers from India that are hitting 90 on the gun right now. You know, they're young. They're, they've are they got tools and talent. They haven't had the opportunity to have, like, Major League Baseball, Mariano Rivera coaching them. Um, but now we can build them into our program. Barry Larkin has an incredible curriculum for baseball fundamentals, leadership fundamentals that we're putting in to play as well. So there's a lot of things we're doing where our hope is in the future, you're going to see, we believe, not only some great prospects that can play at the big league level from this region, but also hopefully see a lot of these national teams start to crack that top 20. You know, one last thing on this, and I'll shut up about it because this gets me pumped up. But before we did the West Asia Cup, there was only two of those teams in the rankings because there's 111 countries that are part of the WBSC ranking system. Only two were in there. Pakistan was out of the four, like 42, they were, they weren't top 40. Like you guys, they were like 42. And then India was, a was like 80 after the West Asia cup, because you get points for how you perform, participating, whatever, all seven of the, the countries now are in the top 70 first time in history. Pakistan's now number 38 in the world. You know, um, there's a lot of potential man for us to keep helping these federations and these national teams because man the the dream that i have is the olympics the world baseball classic one of these teams makes it and performs it's going to send shockwaves into the country which is going to be great for major league baseball and it's going to be great for us and i and i don't want to minimize that i want i want to stay on something that you touched because this is truly an international undertaking and it and it's massive even when people you know, they'll hear, oh, you know, All-Star Showcase or they hear, oh, four teams. And they may, they, they, a lot of people don't fully understand 
how massive of an undertaking this is. And on one level that a lot of people ignore is you have to work with a lot of governments like international government is like the is is a bigger uh, kind of barrier than than I think most people would think of starting a new business in the United States. How is that part? Because, granted, like I said, I know you've had experience in, in your in your previous professional uh, right. uh, jobs, but how was that part of being starting such a international undertaking that you know has to get government buy-in in India and all all the other places? Man, well, you hit on the hardest part. I mean, that is um, nothing prepared me for 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 the difficulty level. Of this I knew this was going to be hard as hell you know on a one to ten i knew it was going to be a 10 out of 10 it ended up being it and it still is like a 47 you know <laughs> uh, you know and uh the the government portion is 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 difficult man you know i was i was having a vent session with my boy nick swisher last week and you know i liked something he said he's like he's like you know what it sucks that this changed on us but it's not our home turf so in our rules and it's a good reminder. It's like, this isn't our home turf. None of these, all these countries, they've got different customs and approaches and cultures. And, you know, we we are trying to embrace those, learn as quickly as we can while still being true to who we are and our values. Because we are an American company. You know, and I go in, even in our press conference here, if you see what I say, I say, look, we, we're so um, focused on learning and and being integrated into the community and learning the culture and 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 customs while still retaining who we are you know and the values that are important to us so um it's difficult i mean if i knew this job this part of it to get it to the, where we are today would be 65 percent politics i don't know if i would have signed up oh, because so you know, glad I, you I, did. Because I can, you know, I can do it pretty good, man. I don't really enjoy it. I like to, I'm a dude that likes to be in the trenches, likes to work. I love the game. I want to, you know, I want to do the work. Whereas politics sometimes is not as much uh, about the work. It's about, you know, a lot of other things. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm really proud of where where we ended up. It took a lot, probably, you know, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was being able to close this deal with the UAE. And we signed a 15-year deal with the United Arab Emirates for professional baseball. The first time in history that any non-local organization got those sanctioning rights, got those, um, got the ability to have franchises, got the ability to run professional sport, run a professional sport. We run professional baseball here in this country. Um, it's massive. Now we, you know, we popped a couple of bottles of champagne when we got that done and shed some tears and then we realized, oh shit! Actually, we got to run everything by everybody now. You know, yeah. it's just so starting. Like, it just start. It's just starting. Yeah. So you know that was that was a nice uh, rude rude awakening uh, for us to understand. And you know, we had to change the date of our showcase. We had to do some things with the format. Um, and people don't understand. Some people are like, "What? What are you guys doing? Why are you changing?" And it's like, look, when the government tells us to do something, we got to do it. Uh, you know, it's not this is a government. This is not, you know, it's a government. And and this part of the world, um, they call all the shots. So the great thing about it, though, man, I got so much love and respect for the for the partners that we have here because they they'll tell you they didn't know anything about baseball. Like I look like an alien when I went to them at first. They were looking at me literally like I was crazy. 
And now, you know, obviously they believed enough to give us a shot. And I'll tell you, this showcase, though, is a very massive thing for us. Yep. And I would be excited every day and scared every day, to be honest with you, because we're just a couple weeks away. We got to put on a great show. We got to get as many fans as we can in, in into that stadium. This part of the world in, in the Arab world, it's not as much of a culture that we're used to where you go to sporting events in droves, you know, even the cricket matches here in like Dubai. I've been to some, you got 500 people in the stands of 25,000 seat stadium. So for us to really show, we can get thousands of people to show up for baseball. It's a monumental uh, undertaking. And, and, you know, I don't know, man, but it's November 3rd. We got 20 days, you know, like well, I saw, I, I saw a lot of sold out when I looked at the When I looked at the tickets, I saw a lot of sold out for those weekend yeah. passes. So I yeah. went online so, and looked at myself, you know, bro, I, I looked at that today and I'm like, is this? I'm so paranoid. I'm like, is this a glitch? Is this a bug? No, like, I saw, <laughs> I saw a lot of sold out. I was thinking, look, I was thinking you'd have to incorporate like Bad Boy Street Team, like Puff Daddy outside of the awards <laughs> with signs. Oh um, yeah. Let me ask this so just because so, just so you know, so okay. it, it holds twenty five thousand people in that stadium, but there's only two levels. So the lower bowl. Here's here's how crazy it is. They don't. They've never done assigned seating in that stadium. So you have an orange section and a green section in the lower bowl. It's all general admission. So when I came in and said, oh, we want to actually have seat numbers and rows and, you know, we want, we want to build a diamond club and all that stuff. They had to remap the stadium. And they're like, well, we're not going to go out there. and Like the ticketing company, they're like, we're not going to go out there and do that. So I had to go out there with two folks from my team, Praveen and Aki over here. And we had to count every single seat. Ugh. And we had to put it on a spreadsheet to give to the ticketing company for them to have a digital map of the stadium so we could sell seats by, you know, seat number and row number. So it was That's crazy. Amazing. crazy. Uh, let me ask this because you did a really creative job. You mentioned the, the draft and the players um, that are there. You did a really creative job with the draft. Like I thought it was as as good having it live on YouTube and having it in a way where people could follow kind of who was getting drafted live. I thought it was as good as you could do with people that are spread out all over the world. How Thank do you, you plan on kind of broadcasting these games? Is there, is there, is there a way that uh, I don't know if it's international the zone or if it's like a, you know, a, a maybe a yep. new, like a Amazon or YouTube, is there a way I, that we would, you know, American fans will be able to follow uh Flobo. You'll be able to follow your favorite team. Let's go. Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, on the first part, just to kind of, connect back to the, the challenges in the government question we had originally we had planned an in-person draft yeah. and then i got a call literally 48 hours before the draft it was going to be in cincinnati the birthplace of baseball and we had all the players we had our players like you would your top prospects coming we had everything set up and i got a call by one of our partners here in the government in in dubai that basically uh said hey we can't be involved to this level that we want to. So you, we don't want you to do it. And I'm like, well, we already promoted it. They're, they're we got already everybody here. Book. Like it's in 48 hours, yep. but they're like, you can't do it. So we had to, within 24 hours, I had to put a, a notice out of shifting it. The great thing about it, it was at the same time, we just brought Robbie Cano and six other investors on board. So there was like a positive um, you know, a lot of positive news about it. And I had to delay it till I figured it out. 
they had said they wanted to do a, a live event here, but it couldn't get together in time. So with again, within about 72 hours, we pivoted to say we're going to go. We picked the date. We said we're just going to do an online draft. We, we created all the content, got everything, everything that y'all saw within about three days. And we put it out there. And it's like, you know, that's why I really, I really appreciate our team. And that's what entrepreneurship is, man, because you get so many things thrown at you, as y'all know. You think you got it. Finally, you've got you got a contract, you got this and that, and then it changes and you have to somehow either, you know, kick the dirt and 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 not make anything happen or just pick yourself up and figure it out. And we did. And and honestly, I think it was the biggest blessing because the way the draft was executed, it probably turned out even better. Because what we ended up doing, man, is since all the players were in town, I turned it into uh, a dinner at my house, which we weren't planned. I just had everyone at the, at the crib and we all hung out and it was like one of those bonding sessions. And then we did we turned it into a media day where we got a ton more content than we probably would have been able to get if it was just if it was a draft because there's so many elements of it. And then we were able to do it virtually in the virtual draft. You know, we were trending in Japan on Twitter, on X and, you know, a lot of different countries. We we're collabing with all our players on IG. It just really turned out well, man. So, you know, I feel like, you know, God is on our side yeah. and God wants to see baseball out here. I hope, you know, and uh, things have worked out pretty well. Interesting. Because when the draft, the virtual draft came out, I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Kind of a throwback to how drafts used to be before it happened. I didn't even know the backstory between that. So props for coming up with solutions on the fly, man. That's what entrepreneurship is all about. Um, just right. hearing the the trials, the tribulation of the draft and and the the creation or the, the reconfiguration of these stadiums. Um, is there a season one goal? Is it kind of just like, let's get it out there to see what people say? Yeah. Or you're saying, look, these numbers, these games, this download, yeah. that we know it's successful yeah and cheats i apologize for broadcasting too because i didn't answer your broadcast question so be before we talk season one for the showcase definitely streaming for free on baseballunited.com anybody can see around the world we're, we're about to announce our um middle east and south asia broadcast partners so it'll be all around here india pakistan sri lanka bangladesh saudi arabia uae We'll be in Japan broadcasting, Venezuela, Mexico, and I'm hoping next week we get to announce a, a, a USA partner. Definitely, if we don't, obviously, BaseballUnited.com, mm. but um, we have another broadcast partner in the USA that, with the last couple of weeks of momentum, wants to come on board. So people will be able to watch the games, which is awesome. We're playing at 7 p.m., which, you know, right now it's eight hours to New York, so that's 11 a.m., Daylight savings time, it's going to be nine hours to Eastern because there's no daylight savings time here. Mm -hmm. But so y'all just get up early after Thanksgiving. That's we'll the be best. Friday. That's the, that, that, I will tell you that that's the best. The wait, no, to wake up and be yeah. able to watch like the first, yeah. like first thing in the morning, be able to watch baseball. That's the best. That's the oh, best. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, God willing, we do great on the showcase. And then the plan for season one actually is eight franchises. So we announced four. So we'll announce four more playing 14 games each, which I know seems like a, a sneeze or a blink in MLB season. But it's it's a condensed November 1st to December 30th. So two months, 14 games per team will be 65 games total for the league in Dubai, Abu Dhabi and Doha um, next year. Literally a year 
from today. November 1st is supposed to be opening day 2024. Obviously, like I said, things could change and evolve, but that's the plan. That's what we're working towards. And, you know, right now we're on track. All right. Well, we have cash. Well, we have a little bit more time. Well, look, we could do this forever. We could, and you're, you've, you've been really good with this. Let's get some rapid fire. Relax your shoulders. Let's get some rapid fire fun right. stuff that we ask all of our guests uh, that come on the, the mixtape podcast. Run, you, Cash, run. You you <laughs> asked, look, you answered one of them. Your first jersey, Jackie Robinson, Kansas City Monarchs. That's that's yes, amazing. Um, yeah. Talk to us about who were your guys growing up? Who like, like, I know Larkin's your guy now. Let's look. But yeah. who are the guys growing up that that had you fall in love with the game? Well, I'm a massive Astros fan. I grew up in the Astrodome in the in 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 the cheap seats at the very top because when you got perfect attendance at school, you got free tickets oh, at the top of the Astrodome. So it, back in the day, you know, in the '80s, it was Glenn Davis, yep. Billy Doran, you know, old school Astros. When I really started to fall in love, you know, with the game, of course, it was the Killer Bees, Jeff Bagwell, Chris or Craig Biggio. Um, but then, you know, I loved Eric Davis, actually. I'm a huge Eric Davis fan. I was a big Daryl Strawberry fan, you know. I love the L.A. You know, guys. The L.A. guys. I love Ruben Sierra. Ruben Sierra, I loved his 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 batting stance. I love Julio Franco. You know, Julio Franco, who who messaged us and wanted to be part of the league. I'm like, Julio, oh, your, nice. your batting stance is what inspired me. When I used to play, I tried to emulate you, you know. I love the crime dog, Fred McGriff. I mean, I just... Love Barry Bonds. I love, you know, I, I just love the game, man, because I was such a nerd, dude. On Sundays, they had the Sunday sports section would have a special section where they have all the team stats, you know, the mm-hmm. Angels, Astros, whatever. And I had a little notebook growing up, and I would literally just look and copy all the stats into my little notebook every Sunday, like a like a psychopath, like a serial killer just to have it all my little baseball notebook. So I love, I just, you know, I cr- collected cards, all that stuff. So I had so many guys I looked up to, but in Houston, it was Biggio and Bagwell. And then, you know, probably Straw and Eric Davis were some of my guys as well. You uh, you mentioned uh, some of the things that you collected. What is your prime, like, baseball collectible? Like, what is your favorite baseball item that you have? Well, probably my Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck Rookie Card. Ah, the Holy Grail. Deck, which I got to meet uh, Ken Griffey Jr. at the Field of Dream Games last year. Mm-hmm. And then, which was surreal. You know, it was surreal. I mean, I'm <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. started following me on Instagram and sent me a DM. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Dude? <laughs> That's just, crazy. I'm like, <laughs> I got to shot this shit and send it to my, my brother. But um, <laughs> that one. And then, you know what else is pretty cool? The first baseball I ever got at a baseball game. Was at, I never never caught a foul ball still to this day, but I, I I came early to a game between the Astros and Rangers, and I was you know young kids sitting near the you know the rail of the field, and this young catcher, Pudge Rodriguez saw me and he flipped me a ball, and actually I got goosebumps thinking about it because um, I kept that ball I still have that ball, and I met Pudge. Around this time, last November, December, at Big Poppy's golf tournament. And he came up to me and was like, I heard what you're doing with this baseball league. I want, want to be involved. And now Pudge is one of our advisors. 
He hasn't invested yet. We got to get Pudge to invest, but he's one of our advisors. And I told him, like, dude, you're the first person, your first Major League Baseball I ever got was you handed it to me, you know? And you still have the ball? I still have the ball. You got you you know? to get him to sign it. I got to get him to sign it. Absolutely. It's like one of those things where, like, players don't realize. He he don't remember that, but, like, yeah. that that moment is in my head it, forever. And I'm hope I tell my team that every day we're gonna have an autograph alley, make sure our players interact with the fans, and just give those little moments so that we can build the next generation of baseball fans out here. All right, last two, and I ask everyone this, but I I, I don't know position wise for baseball. Are you a hitter or a pitcher? I was a center fielder and a pitcher, and I was much better in the field and pitching than hitting. I couldn't hit the off speed stuff. Okay, so this so this is the, this is the question. If you could face any pitcher throughout the history of baseball, so you could step in the box, try yourself out against any pitcher, living or dead, who do you face and why? Oh, my God. Well, I would be deathly afraid to face Randy Johnson or Mariano Rivera. <laughs> and so you know who I would choose is my boy Bartolo Colon. I would take <laughs> Bartolo Colon now? Go. Do you take him down at 50? <laughs> I would take him down. <laughs> Yeah, I want fifty-year-old Bartolo. Yeah, big you got sexy. a shot. He's got heat. I want big sexy. That's awesome. <laughs> big sexy sends me a video of him on the treadmill literally every day. So I can't wait. I can't wait. He's going to be our opening night starter. He's going to be our opening yep. night starter. Yeah. Oh, then that's awesome. Uh, last one. As you've gone through this, and obviously you've gone through your career, you've gotten a lot of uh, nuggets of wisdom. You've met some really great people. Have several like you've described already pinch yourself moments what would you yeah. say is the best advice you've ever gotten oh my god you know probably from my mom you know my mom taught me early on um about the uh the the danger of regret you know she's like failures fade but re regrets can last forever so she always taught me to to go for it you know and um you know my mom she was the first ever female engineer in the history of the country of Pakistan, you know, so she was a trailblazer and done way more in her life than I ever will do. And she always taught me to go for it. She's my inspiration. And that's when I started realizing that winning is just going for it, man. Like November 24th, we're going to do everything we can, man, and work as hard as we can and leave it all in the field. And I hope we put on a great, great show and get as many people on there. But I know we won't have any regrets as long as we do. We work our heart out is work as hard as we can. You know, we can't control the outcome, but, um, you know, so mom taught me not to have regrets and that's probably why I'm here today. That's a perfect way to end cash. Thank you so much. Flobo. Any final words here? Well, I got, I got one kind of uh question, but like I, something from, from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, when you have a dream of something and people tell you, you can't do it. What do you say to the haters? Like, I want to take notes. Like cash tells people uh, what, you know what i don't even mess with the haters anymore you know i don't even mess with them you know i just i just i just keep mental track i keep mental track you know i was on shark tank and i got my ass kicked on shark tank in 2016 and after that after that i was dead broke in 2016 and i got 60,000 emails i'm not talking about dms and you know other types of social media messages and comments. I got 60,000 emails the weekend after Shark Tank, 42,000 telling me 
the G-rated version, you're the dumbest dude ever be on this show, you know? And I screenshotted every single one of them, Flobo, like a psychopath. I put them in a folder on my laptop, and I just want to remember. Now, obviously, I, it was hard. I cried. It was a it was the lowest point of my life. But, you know, and that show has been – I'm spending too much time, but that show has been – it's the number four ranked Shark Tank episode of all time, which isn't really good for me because I got my ass kicked. It's been rerun 33 times, 33 times. And it's crazy how the how how the world works because 2016 everyone's talking shit. 2017 people talking. 2018 it started to go 50 50. Then I sold my first company. Um, people are like, oh, you know, I knew I, I was inspired. I knew you were going to be good. 2019 built the second company. Started changing. Now when it when it reruns, people are like, oh, I always knew you were going to be great. I knew you were going to make something. I'm like, no, you didn't. You know, no, you were talking shit in 2016, you know, <laughs> oh. so, you know, this just that's just how people are, man. But, you know, most people project their own fears and insecurities onto you because they don't believe as long. So having that self-belief and that passion and most importantly, that resilience to keep going when shit happens. I think that's uh, that's the formula, man. Cash, we're going to have to leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Baseball United on everything. So you can just follow Baseball United directly on the website. I know they're on YouTube. I know they're on Instagram. They are doing amazing things for the game of baseball. And it's actually really cool because not you don't often get a chance to see the journey. Like, well, you know, we were born into what is currently Major League Baseball, and we hear legends about Negro Leagues and all those things. We have never been able to see something like this from the ground up to idea to uh, to implementation and you know showcase 24th and 25th is it november and then yep. november 1 2024 they're looking at opening day you're able to see the all the 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 lumps in and if you will and all the glory as well so ladies and gentlemen make sure you check that out baseball united everywhere uh cash is actually really good on twitter too or x formerly known as twitter so you can follow him there he actually look he may it may it may be getting too it may be getting too big now but but look about a year ago or months ago you would get those direct responses in there so thanks so much (laughs) ladies and gentlemen this is the black baseball mixtape until next time we're out